Hello, cocktail lovers. Welcome to Paris Cocktail Talk, the show brought to you by the 52 Martinis Guide to Paris Cocktail Bars. I'm Forrest Collins, and I'm here to talk to you about the trends and traditions of drinking in France. And I'm very super excited today, as I always am, but a little extra super excited today because, you know, well, it's January. It's the new year. I'm doing something a little bit different this year where I'm going to focus on a different area of France each month. So we're going to kind of talk about what people are are, are drinking in different regions of France. But we're starting today, um, this month, with Paris. We're going to talk about trends and traditions of drinking in Paris. And I thought, who better to get in here, one, because I know you guys love hearing from him, but two, because his book, Drinking French, um, really kind of is a book about drinking in France. So I've got David Leibovitz here in the, well, uh, by, I'm actually with David Leibovitz in his place, and uh, he's going to be talking to us this month about, we're going to talk a little bit about our impressions of uh, Parisian drinking habits. Now, I don't think there's any listener who is not going to know who he is. If you don't know him from his incredibly well-known blog, you probably own one of his nine, is it nine books that you've written? I think so. Okay, one of his nine yeah. books. Um, you might have read about his adventures buying his previous apartment in Paris in the Bart. Mm. Um, I <laughs> love my Paris um, kitchen, which is his last cookbook that he put out. And most recently, he put out Drinking French. So... Um, he's also a trained pastry chef, which I think is really interesting because he and I have talked a bit about, um, you know, there's some similarities between baking and cocktails. So it seems maybe a, a natural progression for him to have written the book Drinking French. Now, um, David, welcome. Or Hello. I fit. landed in the right city, pastries and cocktails. <laughs> yes. Two great, great areas And with to the be right in. person. You guys, we're, we're a great couple. We are. I mean, ugh, Okay. First of all, did I leave anything out that the, oh, oh, also, he has a, his own podcast, which you should listen to because um, I was on it a few months ago, and he also has now moved to um, doing a newsletter, which is full of really interesting stuff. There is a paid and a non-paid option, and um, both are great, just a little bit extra stuff for the paid uh, readers. And I'm going to put links to all of this in the show notes. Okay, now did I miss okay. anything? <laughs> Sorry, I had a no, lot to say. Earlier, it's funny because you said you were excited to be here, and I was thinking about um, learning French. And this is, we'll get back on topic in a moment. But okay. The word excité in French oh, means yeah. sexual. Yep. Um, so when I was young, you know, when I was, when I didn't speak French as well as I do now, which is not a much, not much more of an improvement. But I would say I'd go into a chocolate shop, shop and I'd say, oh, I'm super excited to be here. The woman. Yeah. Everybody just thought just you were very sexual. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. I think we've all kind of made that um, made that little. Yes. So be careful being excité in yes. France. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm excited in the English language sense. <laughs> okay. um, yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit today about Parisian drinking habits mm-hmm. and... Um, I think it's an interesting topic because I think that, you know, first of all, why don't you tell me what you think, give me some idea about what you see as people's impressions of what Parisian drinking habits are and maybe a little bit more of what the reality is. Well, one thing very interesting about Paris that a lot of people don't think about, including in Paris, um, that Paris is a melting pot of France and also French colonies. So you don't just have a bunch of Parisian people sitting around. Most of those people um, were not born here. There are usually many people in France are two generations away from being country folk, 
even. Mm -hmm. um, so they come to Paris and they assimilate, but they still keep a lot of their traditions. So you see a lot of cafes that are sort of old Auvergnats, where these hardworking people from the Auvergne used to come to Paris and they would open businesses and they'd work really hard. Um, now you're seeing more influences from other countries, including America, Australia, Africa, and so forth, and continents. Um, of course, Africa is not a con uh, country. Mm. And Australia is both. So. <laughs> um, but anyhow, it's very interesting to see the difference and differences in how things have changed. And people often are a little surprised when I say, well, a lot of it's been um, influenced by Anglo culture, the whole cocktail scene. Um, you know, France has an amazing, as you know, spirits culture. They make, you know, arguably the world's greatest spirits are made mm -hmm. in France. And I don't want to, I won't argue that because I kind of agree with that. But you know, cocktails have fallen, had fallen out of favor. Um, so that's changed. Um, cafe culture has changed. We've talked about this before. You know, people used to sit in cafes and have a glass of wine or coffee. And now it's sort of shifting toward beer more, even mm -hmm. though that was sort of part of the culture. But now you're seeing, for better or worse, you know, these trends like we, first we had the mojito. Mm -hmm. And then it became the Aperol Spritz. Yep. And now they say it's becoming the ginto or gin and tonic, which I think is a little pushing it for young French people. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, I think I, I, I've always thought, oh, I'd love to push replacing the mojito with the gin and tonic as the go-to drink in, mm -hmm. in France. But I think that that is um, wishful thinking on some people's part that we are at that point at this uh, yet. Yeah. I mean, I think there's still a lot of, when we're talking globally, there's just still a lot of Aperol spritz and mojitos yeah. that are being ordered. And I have nothing against either of those. It's just, they're so ubiquitous now. Um, why do you think, what's your opinion on why um, each of them explode? I mean, I, I have my own opinions too, but mm -hmm. um, why are they so prevalent in drinking culture here? Um, well, part of it is because, and the Aperol spritz, of course, is not American. It's Italian. What's well, you know, probably Austrian, Italian, um, sort of a mix of the spritz. The Aperol spritz, of course, is Italian. But um, one thing is they're fun. It's really mm -hmm. fun to have spritzes. And one thing Americans we excel at is having fun. You know, I was talking with a friend um, last night, and we are saying how, like, it's fun to go, like, grocery shopping at Whole Foods, even though a lot of people, you know, have... have not nice things to say about Whole Foods. It's actually, you go in there and you don't, you know, it's not depressing like going into like Franc Prix or Gévin, you know, like a French grocery store where you're just like, you know, everybody's, the lights are bad. They have security guards at the door with, you know, wearing like combat, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. oh my God, I just want milk. Yeah, you know? exactly. So having, you know, a spritz is really fun to have. Mojitos were fun, I guess. I didn't, I'm... I kind of moved here when the mojito thing was happening, and I don't think that's still a thing. Not like it was. I don't think so either. Yeah. yeah. But one thing that's curious is, as you know, French people have sort of an aversion to icy drinks. People mm. don't like cold drinks. They don't like ice. Um, I actually, I was at a, um, I was uh, staying out in the country with some friends, and one of them actually reached into the glass and like violently <laughs> threw the ice out 
of the glass. He was affronted by that ice was, glass. Yes. He was like, it's very bad for you. I was, and I thought there was like a hornet or something in his glass. And I never saw anybody so like Aggressive upset about, about ice. Their ice. Um, so it's kind of interesting because you see that in Paris. People are drinking icy drinks now. Yeah. Um, the, the Aperol spritz. But I do hope, like I love French spirits and I think why not? do Susan tonics like gin and tonics are great mm -hmm. but you have this super iconic uh I guess it's a liquor what would you call it? uh yes let's see um <laughs> that's an old bottle yes I know um, we're looking at an old bottle of Sue's that David has on his table right now um yes I mean I guess it is I'm just thinking is it a it's an, you could say it's an aperitif yeah. um and it's liquor based yeah it's not wine based like many aperitifs but it's very popular and there's it's it's so quintessentially French. Yes. That, and it's even, it's hard to describe Sue's um, without making it sound terrible. It's true. I mean, it's got for me sort of, <laughs> and I love um, it. there's a bitterness yeah. to it, but there's also a sweetness to it. And there's sort of almost, like, I want to say grassy, kind of dirty note yep. to it. Um, I had Jennifer um, who wrote Bitter, a book on bitter, mm -hmm. and I, I always mispronounce her name. I'm famous for this. It's M, M small c, um, L A G A N, and she's a good friend of mine. I can't pronounce her name, but when you live in Europe, you learn that you have friends you can't pronounce their names, Absolutely. and it's okay. But she said gentian is like one of the most bitter things in the world. She said it just takes a little piece of gentian to flavor a lot of liquid, yeah. and she told me the amount. I was like, whoa. Um, but Suze is great. It's bitter. It's so quintessentially French. And people do drink it here. It's kind of considered an old lady's drink yeah. for some reason. Um, but it definitely needs to be rebranded for the French market. Yeah, I feel like they really went through a period of trying to rebrand a bit and kind of trying to, you know, Aperol was really successful to spritz because there's yeah. a lot of branding everywhere. And I noticed for a while Suze was doing these events where they were in kind of trendy um, right. pop-ups. I know, saw them on Instagram. I didn't get invited. <clears throat> oh, yeah. well, I, have, oh, I haven't been for ages, okay. so I'm probably off the off <laughs> the list. But And then the, a few years back, they were doing Sue's and Hot Chocolate, which I don't know if I'm on board with that, okay. but they were doing a pop-up outside of the BHV, like around Christmas time. Sounds horrible, yeah. but, you know, I don't know. I, but anyway, it feels Oof. like they're kind of trying to get out there, but, um, but it's a great product, mm -hmm. and... Um, and but who's drinking the Sous here in Paris? I am. Yeah. It sounds like you are, but yeah. I've never seen anybody else drinking it. Well, I've I was at an event recently, and I forgot where it was, but it was kind of oh, it was um, a birthday party for a restaurant um, that I love, and oh, not the birthday party. Sorry, when they close when they close every year for the summer, mm -hmm. they have a big party like on July thirty first, and they invite all their favorite customers. Nice. So they invited us. And they just served one kind of wine and Susan tonics. And because the owner likes vintage, or not vintage spirits, but he likes French spirits. Yeah. And it's kind of fun. It's kind of like a throwback thing. Yeah. Um, I love Suze. But, I, you know, Salaris is another gentian-based spirit yeah. that's very French as well. So it's very interesting to see this. Um, the evolution of how French people drink. Mm -hmm. um, Definitely. And when I wrote my book, a lot of people were saying to me, why are you writing about French drinking? Especially French people. They were like, why are you writing about that? And I'd start saying, Sous, Dubonnet. And they're like, and you could see their eyes get a little gay, you know, gauzy. Yeah. They're like, oh, oh, j'adore ça. Or I remember the publicité, yeah. the advertisements on the Metro and so forth. 
So I love that. They do have great, all of these, all of these aperitifs, all of these, um, they've got great advertising. Yeah. Like you've got to love all those um, old vintage posters and, yeah. and graphics. It's very cool. Yeah, and it's great that they, they really were part of, you know, people think about French culture, French cuisine, terroir, regions, um, but they don't associate things like Sous as the Auvergne because it's gentian. Yeah. Whereas you have things like Pommel in Normandy, which is apple juice with Calvados. Um, there's a different, there's one for Brittany and there's all these different, you know, you have pastis for Marseille, the mm -hmm. South of France and so forth. So it's very interesting. I think so too. Yeah. It's why I want to kind of work around this year, sort of work around the different regions and mm -hmm. talk about what people are drinking there. Um, but I don't think, but there's nothing, you know, I'm just thinking out loud as I'm doing this. There's nothing really, um, I mean, in Paris, as you said, mm -hmm. it's a melting pot. So we're kind of yeah. picking and choosing from all these things from people's, you know, from different regions. Yeah, and you, you're, you know, it used to, it's a funny thing. It used to be, when I moved here 20 years ago, there was a lot of um, rules, like never wear sneakers. Um, and now everybody, like, that's yeah. the default. I go to, like, Pilates class. It's funny, I'll see, like, 40 pairs of white sneakers oh, yeah. and, like, one pair of, like, dress shoes. Um but Especially after COVID. No one wants to wear real shoes after COVID, right? Yeah, we don't even want to wear clothes. Right? <laughs> I know. We're sitting here naked as we yeah. do this. <laughs> but I remember, like, rule number 847 was do not order a cafe creme in the afternoon yes. or after a meal. And now you go to cafes and you see people having a cafe creme, which some people think is a cafe au lait, which is not the same drink. Um, but it's similar to a, ca it's a cappuccino, basically, um, okay. except made with French coffee. So it's not as good as uh, Italy. <laughs> French people, well, I know my husband's very, like, he thinks French coffee is great. I'm not a coffee drinker, so I don't okay. know, but I'm from Seattle, so I'm pretty sure that French coffee is bad. But, okay. um, but I don't yeah. know. Um, but do you think this is... Well, okay, first of all, what, what, tell me what you think about French coffee, or maybe you don't want to share that. Okay, well, I, okay, uh, back in the mid-2000s, I had my blog, and I wrote an article about um, where to find good coffee in Paris, and it was based on a friend of mine, Pim, had a blog called Shape Him, I remember Shape Him. And she had written about something about the bad coffee in Paris. Um, she's now like a Michelin star chef, and... Um, I got so much criticism. People were furious, and not French people, Americans, like, we love going to Paris and the smell of Galois in the air at cafes. I'm like, first of all, people were smoking in your neighborhood cafe. You'd be, like, calling the police on them, and, you know, why is it okay here and not yeah. there? Um, and you're like, oh, it's so French. I'm like, well, you know, it's not that, for, you know. Anyway. That's a whole other story. But the coffee culture, um, the coffee w was really bad. Um, people don't drink coffee for the flavor in France. They drink it to get um, some caffeine in them. Yeah. They drink it because it's cheap. You go to the bar, you have a coffee for a euro. It sort of gives you a jolt. Um, and it's not just my... Then the New York Times wrote an article like, five years later about how, you know, French, the quality of French coffee. And everyone's like, David, you should understand this about French. I was like, I, we wrote, I wrote about that and I acknowledge. <laughs> so it, it's, it, but what happened was, um, the good thing about criticism is things get better. And people started like, uh, Thomas and David Flynn and Anselm, um, who's another friend whose name I can't pronounce, um, started Belleville Brewery starting to do quality coffee, buying quality beans, roasting them carefully. And then I, so I started a list on my blog, like places to get good coffee, you know, and 
now there's just so, you know, every street has one of those hip, you, for lack of a better word, hipster coffee places yeah, where they're like yeah. waving it's the really coffee. Yeah, really exploded. Yeah. Yeah. It's a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, you know, it's a good thing, you know, criticism and complaints can lead to good things. <laughs> well, that's good. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I know people like their coffee, so I like to see yeah. this kind of the um, proliferation of, of better, I guess, coffee bars. But it's so true what you're talking about. You know, I'm just completely picturing a French person going into one of these, like, tabac, yeah. um, PMU places where, which is kind of like the, where you buy your cigarettes and your lotto tickets. And right. you go up to the to the bar and you just order a shot of espresso and it's yeah. cheaper to just stand at the bar and drink it. And you just, you do that. And it's so ingrained yeah. in so many of, well, maybe not the younger generation, but people my age, you know, I still see a lot of my French friends. It's just what they do, you know, in the, in the morning as they go. Well, a friend of mine lives in Nice and she goes to, she, you can drive to Italy. It's like Ventimiglia is the town, right? She's like, it's amazing because you cross the border and the coffee is really good. She's like, you're like, you know, a half a kilometer from the border. Um, but I went to coffee school in Italy because I wanted to learn cool. how to make good coffee. So I went to Italy, which is in Trieste, and I spent two days making espresso, learning how to do espresso, how to press it, how to do all that stuff. And I was talking to one of the scientists there, and I said, what do you think about French press coffee? And he looks at me and he goes, he was Italian, he's like, just the name scares me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. So they gave me, an, actually gave me an espresso machine. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, and they said, we feel bad for you living in France. That is very but, funny. So on the plus side, you know, the coffee has improved. There's really good coffee places, and it's all changed. Yeah. Like, same with cocktails. It used to be, you know, 30 years ago, you ordered a martini, and you're like, oh, my oh, God. God. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was yeah. the whole genesis of, you know, my, my blog was to actually try to find a decent martini, and yeah. it was really hard back in the day. Um, I actually went to a restaurant a few years ago, and they had a classic. It, said, it was like a young you know, hip restaurant, and that it said classic martini, and they brought me a glass with ice and gin and ver- probably some vermouth in it, and it was like a it was like a tumbler. Oh, oh. But yeah. in their defense, a few years later, I was learning more about the martini, and that might have been actually the original. People, some people think it was oh, a right, drink right, yeah. in a tumbler, like the French seventy five was not champagne in a champagne glass with gin or cognac. It was actually more like a Collins drink. Yeah. Um, so maybe I was wrong. And it's okay to be... You would never hear that in France. People don't say that oh, very often. Oh, God. Well, after this, I'd tell you, tell you a funny story about that. Which I just heard today. Um, yeah, uh, I just was reading something. I think it was in Punch about gin on the rocks. and But but that's... I mean, that's, that's what cocktail learning about cocktails is all about mm. is you you learn something and then you learn something that corrects that right it's it's it, that's yeah. what so many things are about you when you're researching these historical things all you can do is go back to the you know first thing that you can find and then you know maybe yeah. you'll stumble across something else to find that well, that's not what i thought that's why when we were talking about when we were doing your show and all these controversial things mm-hmm. and people loving to get on a controversy in the cocktails yeah there's no, you just can't, you can't stand on a controversy like that on one side because things can always change and you can learn more. Well, when I wrote my book, uh, Drinking French, I had written about chartreuse and I relied heavily on the book by Roy Andres de Groot, The Cuisine of the Flower, The, the Auberge of the Flowering Hearth, which mm-hmm. is one of the all time great food books about going to this inn in the Chartreuse Mountains back in, I think, the 80s. Um, and he wrote about Chartreuse, the liquor. 
And so I extrapolated some of that in compiling a little bit about like the history of chartreuse. Which is super interesting. Super interesting because the history is a thousand years old. Yeah. And I sent it to the director general of chartreuse, which is the president. And I just said, do you mind just looking at this and telling me if this is correct? And he wrote me back. <laughs> He's like, well, this was probably not correct. And this is, he goes, but honestly, we don't really know what happened 800 years ago. Yeah. So there's a lot of things, um, you know, people talk about absolutes, you know, I, I once posted a recipe for whole wheat croissant, it had whole wheat flour in it, and some people were like, you can't put whole wheat flour in croissant, I'm like, you know, I think when they were invented, they probably didn't have refined flour. Yeah. Like there were probably whole wheat in the, you know. Again, so. these these sort of like self-proclaimed purists, ah, they just like to get on a yeah. soapbox about all the things. Yeah. So. I think it's good to be open-minded. Yeah. I think it's good um, to taste things, to say, I like this, I don't like this, and it's fine. We don't all have to like the same things. Yeah. Um, but I like learning about stuff. That's why I love writing books. Yeah. It's, it's a, yeah, it's a great way to... And meeting you and going yeah. out and have cocktails. I've met a lot of people with you, um, and it's fun. Yeah, and absolutely. I, I was also very surprised um, when I was writing my book because I didn't really know the cocktail people in Paris, like the bars and so forth. And everybody was super nice to me. Now I have yeah. all these friends. I'm yeah, it's nice out. to it's nice to have friendly people yeah. in places that serve you cocktails. Well, um, they also like I appreciated what they do. Um, a lot of even in, I did a lot of research, you know, research in Brooklyn because that's a very good cocktail scene there. Yeah. And people knew I was a pastry chef or baker. And I could talk to them about what they do in mixing flavors. And I was asking them real questions. Like, yeah. You know. People appreciate when you appreciate their craft. Yeah. So I think that that gets you a long way in learning, which is, you know, what we mm -hmm. like to do. We like to learn new things, yeah. as you were just saying. So, so I think that's a good way to do it. Um, what other, you know, before we started recording, I was kind of mentioning craft beer, which seems to be having a kind of, you know, blowing mm -hmm. up here in, in France now. Um, uh, I mean, so there's that. Yeah. What other, have you noticed other sort of general changes and tendencies over the past few decades in Parisian drinking habits? Well, I've noticed, uh, on, the, on the minus side, I've noticed a lot of young people are drinking soda. Um, yeah. And they've always drunk, they've always had Coca-Cola in France in spite of, you know, there's a, there's a picture um, of what this man first tasting Coca-Cola and he's spitting it out. It was from Life magazine. But I'm looking at the bottle, and it's half empty. It's not in the bar next to him. I was like, so maybe he did it for the photo. It's yeah. hard to say. Um, but I am seeing, unfortunately, a trend of people drinking, a lot of like young kids drinking soda mm -hmm. and drinking it out of like the liter bottle. Um, they have this orange soda called Oasis. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I don't like to tell people what to eat or, you know, why don't I, you know, but... Drinking soda is not a great habit. It's you know it's fine to have a soda. That's the problem. It's a big habit. Yeah. I mean you know it's it's um, you you just get addicted to drinking the soda, the sugar, the caffeine. Yeah, it's a or lot whatever. of sugar. Um, yeah. You know, and it's empty calories. You know, yeah. and so is a martini. But you know, once again, we're drinking two ounces of liquid. Yeah. Um, not a bottle a day. So that's a sort of a negative thing yeah. that I'm seeing. Um, yeah. I wonder how that's gonna be. Like, it's going to translate as they get older. Are they going to drink wine with dinner? Or are they going to drink soda? Uh, yeah, because that's something I really appreciate is people, you know, French people really drinking wine with their meals and appreciating that. And yeah. um, But it's true. You don't, I mean, you, you, I think of being here as 
as a, as a place that, you know, as a country who that appreciates their local products. But you do, you see a lot of Coke, you see a lot of Coke in... Um, Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola, exactly. <laughs> a lot of Coca-Cola um, in cafes. Yeah. But I also think, because I see a lot of Coke Zero, I also think that's just sort of this um, choice on, on French people's parts to not be consuming calories at all. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, but. I mean, I'm not a scientist. Um, I... My feeling about diet soda is just drink less of the real thing. Um, you know, if I want to have a Coke, I'll have a Coke, but I don't drink soda very often. I yeah. do drink wine. I like wine. Um, it's wonderful living in a country where wine is so available and it's so inexpensive yeah. and it's not considered... It's not a snobbish thing to most people. It's not the luxury that it yeah, is. Yeah, it's like, let's have yeah. a carafe of red. Yeah. Whereas in America, it would be, like, you know, it'd be really expensive, this carafe, and everybody would want to know about it. Whereas in France, well, the Côte de Rhone, yeah. ça va. it's gamay, it's fruity, it's, mm -hmm. you know, not great wine, but it's not bad. Yeah. And it's, it's three It's euros. part of daily life. Yeah, it's three euros yeah. a glass. And I think, yeah, I think that is a, a very definite tradition in French life. It's but I am seeing the price of a glass of wine go up and the quality. Bit, yeah. Like now you go to like a, you know, in people in America would be like, that's still so cheap. But now you're seeing like nine euro glasses of wine yeah. at like a restaurant. Yeah. Um, which is you know, surprising normal, to everyday me in restaurant. Yeah. yeah. They used to be like six or seven. Yeah. Um, it's not a huge, it's, it's not. It's still affordable, but I think yeah. that once you start going in that direction, you know, it, it, it is, it's, is it a slippery slope or a slippery uphill, right. you know, you, you stop appreciating this as, as basically a right to enjoy and appreciate this, uh, you know, yeah. local product, a, a part of daily French life. And nine euros, I can afford that. Not everybody can afford, you know. Yeah. It's, well, so. French people are very, as you know, um, uh, cost conscious. Yes. And like baguette right now, there's, you know, the problems with Ukraine, um, Russia, the wheat supply, certain supplies and bread is going up. And I've been reading about bakers saying like, well, we won't, we don't want to ra raise the price of baguettes 10 cents because people will complain. Yeah. And it seems to me like 10 cents is nothing, but they're all writing like we, people will say something and so forth. And I'm starting to see it now too. I go to the grocery store and I get something that's a little more expensive. Yeah. Um, and wine is going to, everything's going to go up and True. things are going to change a bit, but it's still very reasonable to drink wine. I like um, I like, also like the fact, and I wish restaurants in America would do this, is having carafes of wine. Yeah, I don't know why yeah. they don't. I don't know if they... To make money. Well, oh, I've asked my money. friends who have restaurants. Oh, oh okay. Well, yeah. I guess and that answers like, my question. I was about to start opining, yeah. but yeah, I don't need to. I'm like, well, wouldn't you make... You know, and I have this talk with them. I'm like, yeah. wouldn't you make more money if you had like a barrel of wine exactly. and you poured it, you know, you filled carafes and the carafes were $10, whatever. Yeah. And they're like, no. I mean, they, I'm not a restaurant owner, so I don't want to tell people, but I was like, well, because I remember in Paris, you know, a lot of restaurants, well, not a lot, but several restaurants stopped doing bottled water because they said, you know, it's a lot of work at carrying the bottles up and down the stairs, they had to put them in the basement. Yeah. And, but I was talking to a friend in America and he said, as a restaurant, he's like, well, we make $60,000 a year on bottled water sales. I was like, wow. oh, Okay. Okay, uh, <laughs> I, which doesn't surprise me. Now we're getting closer. It surprises to, me. Well, thought, right? it, what surprises me is that people buy water. Whoever yeah, came yeah, up with yeah, that idea, yeah. 
is insanely yeah. still genius. Still water. I mean, I'll, still in, water. In restaurants, yeah. I'll get sparkling. I'll get sparkling sometimes. too. I mean, you yeah. know, I I, I I I like a sparkling water, but um, I never buy still water. Bottled yeah. water yeah. kills me every time yeah. I buy one of those. That is just crazy. Because we pay um, for having. We have really good. I've actually met a guy in Paris at a party once, and he works for the water company, and he was saying actually the water in Paris is better than the bottled water. It's purer. It's more filtered, and so forth. So we said. Don't he said you're better drinking tap water. Well, we, I really yeah. like our tap water, so yeah. I, I'm you know I'm a big proponent of, you, of drinking tap water. I don't know if you can drink mm-hmm. it everywhere, but I drink it everywhere yeah. here, and yeah, I don't like um, buying it. However, something that I find interesting, and I don't know if I just don't remember this from the U.S. I think French uh, people are particular about their sparkling water and the size of the bubbles in their sparkling water, and this makes a difference. You know, they have Perrier, the uh, yeah, Perrier, yeah. Sometimes they're too the bubbles are too big for them or too yeah. small. So I think this is kind of something that fascinates me is that well, French people have What's that. funny is how San Pellegrino in mm-hmm. France has become this everybody drinks San Pellegrino. I'm like, but you have and I'm not a xenophobe, um, but I'm like, well we have really good like Badois. Like yeah. in America, Badois is like ten dollars a bottle. Yeah. You know? Like here it's sixty cents. Yeah. Um, and I like it. I like Badois. I do too. And it comes in glass bottles at restaurants. Yeah. Um, and so does Perrier, they don't really serve it. It's funny because Perrier you don't have the food. Yes. You, have you heard that? I've noticed yeah. this, yes. They're like, you have like Badois with food or uh, the other one, uh, uh, Chateau. Yes. Um, but you don't drink Perry because the bubbles are too big. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, See, this is, yeah, so I, I find this very fascinating. Um, it, yeah, there's very few generalizations when people say, what are French people like? I'm like eh, they, well, all hate when, curled, they all hate yeah. air currents on their neck and yeah. they all have things and about the size much, of They don't bubbles. like a lot of cinnamon. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it is funny because um, people come here and they're like, is it okay to drink the water in France? I'm like, actually, we're very civilized. Like people, they send people to the moon in France. Like it's, <laughs> we actually, have, yeah. the water is clean. It's clean. Like it's fine. Yeah. No problem. You don't need to sterilize the water before drinking it here. Well, is there anything else that you think we should um, clue the readers and or the readers, the listeners, or you know, <laughs> potentially reading us elsewhere, somewhere on something else about something else? But anything else that you know that strikes you as interesting about Parisian drinking culture? Um, well, one thing um, that I learned when I was writing about drinks was how long people drink, um, and it doesn't mean they're drinking to excess, but like. A normal French person will have coffee in the morning, and not normal, an average. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be careful with words. Now. But, you know, have coffee with you know breakfast. Uh, might have a coffee mid morning for lunch. They might have wine. They might have a coca light with lunch. Uh, have a coffee after lunch. But then you know, like at five or six, you know, start apéro hour and so forth. But it's. I was talking to my friend Jane, who runs La Cuisine. I said, you know. This whole thing about having an infusion or a tisane after dinner, because French people love being together. Yes. And they don't like to part. So mm, when you go to yes. a dinner party, even if it's a school night, you know, you're lucky if you get home before 1 a.m. Oh, yeah. And I was telling, I always, you know, the dinner's over, you've had dessert, you've had everything, and then they're like, oh, let's, who wants infusion? And I'm like, Praying no one raises their hand. Oh, everybody's going to raise their yeah, hand. Yeah, they all, oh, wait, wait. So <laughs> then you have to, and they all talk about the infusion. Is it done? Oh, it's not quite done. You have to put the leaves back in. Infusion was what we call herb tea for people listening. Could be mint. It could be lemon verbena. It could be whatever. Um, but then they put it back. And so that's, 
um, another hour. And I told mm-hmm. Roman the other day, my partner, I said, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm being held hostage by Tizan. Because people are using it to keep me there. They are. But then that's not even, you're not even done then. Because then you still have to say goodbye to everybody, which usually means that you're giving everybody the little cheek kisses. But then they, then you still stand there for a long time yeah, for talking. For like 30 minutes. You just, at least, yeah. yeah. While you're at the door, you're standing there talking more. So Yeah. Well, Uber kind of changed. You know, when people were taking Uber now, that's kind of fallen off there. You know, you'd hit the button. Yeah, it's like, like you oh, know, four minutes. And they're like, oh, by the way, David, uh, I have something to talk to you. And I'm like, yeah. ah. So uh, there's one thing I did want to taste with you before, um, I don't know how much time we have. We're a little over time, but that doesn't matter because oh. I'm having too much. No, no, no. Don't, okay. don't rush yourself. We're going to, the station okay. will work this out and I can do whatever I want on my okay. feet. They can, so. they can cut out what I said about bad French coffee. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, they'll, they'll work it out. So yes, I'm super excited about this. I don't. Don't want you to rush through it. So, so this is a vintage <clears throat> soup bottle of Sue's. Um, one of my friend's mother's. Lived here for many, many years. She moved here in the 50s. And she has a lot of really good stories about what France was like then. Um, And she married a French guy, and it was very difficult for her to live here. Um, She said the first two years were very hard um, because it was a different country. Um, And, you know, she was away from home. And, you know, I think also in those days, people didn't have the internet. They didn't have access to... Their family, like, you know, you have to write a letter in the old days. Yeah, of course. But she brought me this bottle of Sue's, which she said is from before the war. Wow. And she didn't say which war, but it smells really good still. I mean, it's at least it does. It, yeah. 60, 70 years old. Maybe even, I guess, my history. What year is it? It's like post-COVID. It's like, oh, it's 2022. I know. I wrote 2020 earlier on something, so... And thank you oh. for sharing this with me, by the way. It's a little watery. It tastes good. Mm. It smells good. You're right. I feel like, um, you know, we were talking about how bitter um, gentian mm-hmm. is and how bitter Sue's can be. But this feels like it's really tempered. And I don't know if that's with time. Yeah. Um, it's also 16% alcohol. And I don't know what Sue's is now. Oh, uh, I don't know off the top of my okay. head either. Yeah. But it's delicious. Mmm. That's lovely. Yeah. Very mm. nice. That's and I do, as we were talking about, I do like my I do like a Susan tonic. Uh, yeah. but that I'm very happy just to sit and sip yeah. sip on its own. So that is really beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. I'll put a little picture of this bottle in the show notes for everybody. So while I'm sipping on the rest of this um, pre-war Sue's. Um, uh, do you uh, want to share with our listeners your cocktail? Our cocktail okay. of the month is a special creation by you. It's a special winter cocktail. Oh, perfect. Um, because um, right now it's the holidays. We're recording this a little before. And everyone was asking me about what should we do for the holidays. So I always think apple, pear, spices. And somebody had given me, actually Ed Anderson, who photographed my books who lives in the San Francisco Bay Area, a bottle of St. George's Spiced Pear Liqueur. And it's really good, but it's very strong. It's really spicy. And when I say spicy, I don't mean hot. It's got a lot of like spices, like cinnamon mm-hmm. and clove and allspice flavors going on. And it's pretty intense. 
and maybe because I've lived in France, I'm like, boom, spice. You know, it's Crazy. a lot of spice, yeah. but it works perfectly when you dilute it to me. Um, but for this cocktail, you could also use apple brandy. You could use Calvados. You could use cognac, but then you, you wouldn't have the fruit element. Um, but you could use cognac. You could use rum too. Okay. Um, it's called the perfect pear. Oh. So it has two ounces of spiced pear liqueur, the St. George's, um, which you can get on their website, or you can, well, actually, you can't buy it on their website, but you can buy it at certain liquor stores, so their website will tell you. Or you could use apple brandy or calvados. So two ounces of that, a half ounce of orange liqueur, such as Grand Marnier, Cointreau, or Triple Sec, not the blue stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. Nope. Three quarters of an ounce of freshly squeezed lemon juice. Okay. And do not buy bottled lemon juice. No, don't. Okay. Um, three quarters of an ounce of simple syrup, which is one part sugar, one part water. Um, I usually bring it to a boil just to get the sugar dissolved and then chill it. Um, and then squeeze a lemon. You want to put those things in a shaker, three quarters filled with ice. Shake vigorously about 15 seconds until they're super well chilled. And then you want to strain them into a chilled coupe glass. And then take a lemon twist and express it with the rind side down over the drink and expressing it just means twisting it as you know so that you spray a little bit of that lemon oil over the surface of the glass and then you don't put the twist in but i garnish it with a dried apple or pear or dehydrated one and i also top it with a little bit of sparkling cider about an ounce nice and in france when you say cider it always means hard cider yeah but you could use you don't have to buy a bottle of fancy cider. If you're just going to top a drink, you could buy sparkling. In America, they have Martinelli cider, which is non-alcoholic. You could use a sparkling wine if you have some leftover champagne or cremant. Um, and I even saw um, a bartender once talking about using beer. Oh, instead interesting. Of, he said it, it was during COVID lockdown. Like, you don't have... A, you know, you don't have a bottle of, you don't want to open a bottle of champagne to top a, yeah. a drink off, add a little bit of beer. So you could do that or some ginger beer or ginger, you know, you can customize You can play around drink. with it. Yeah. Ginger beer might be nice too with the kind of the, yeah. the you know, apple element if you're using Calvados. Um, nice. But I did notice when I was in the U.S., what they call hard cider, which is available in cans usually, yeah. is very different than the French cider. Theirs is more beer tasting. I haven't had cider in the States for so long. I don't even know the last yeah. time I did. Next time so you go, go to like I'll the grocery some. store or yeah. like a liquor store, depending on what, you're, what state you're in, everything's different there. Yeah. But just buy like, you know, a decent quality hard cider sold in cans, not like a French one, of course. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's like, oh, it's yeah. a whole different drink. Oh, I'm definitely going to do that. Yeah. Definitely. Um, well, I think that we really are at the end of our time. I probably pushed my luck. Okay. Um, but, uh, but that's okay because... I always like talking to you, and we can keep going on and on. Um, is there anything else that you want to add before I bring us to a close? Um, no, but if uh, people want the recipe, I know it's on your. You're going to put it on your website. I'll put it on my in the show notes to this. Yes, so it will go up on the website, and in the show notes, if you're listening to this on iTunes, it also shows up. Those show notes show up right on your screen, and it will be. Is it in? Where is it going to be? I know you're going to be talking about this. Is it t- this week, tomorrow? Where is it going to be? Is it in your newsletter? Where can they find it if they're looking for it on your stuff? The recipe? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I have a, I just came up with it. Oh, okay. Yeah, All it's, right. It's, It'll be right somewhere. Right now, it's on a piece of paper in front of me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And when people want to find you, I'll put links to all of your social media. Is it just David Leibovitz everywhere on your on your handles? Is it just... Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So it's yeah. easy to find. He's easy to find on Instagram and... 
on Facebook and online. And uh, yeah, and I highly encourage if there happens to be anybody out there listening who hasn't read through his many, many, many things online and his books, give him a look. So I think that pretty much wraps us up. And David and I are going to go have cocktails after this. So yay. yay. So with that, I will say thank you for listening, everybody. Thank you to um, World Radio Paris for editing and production. Thank you to Sun Little for the music that we use. And as usual, I remind you to drink responsibly. And one last thing, um, if you like what we're doing, go over to iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave a review. Apparently that helps people uh, find the show and um, makes me know that I actually have somebody out there who's listening to what I say. And until next time, cheers. In the